Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, you join me in the Court One commentary box while John Isner is up against Milos Raonic and it's half-time during the football. 1-0 to England against Croatia and there's Rafael Nadal against Juan Martin Del Potro on. It is all going on at the moment. Roger Federer is out. You probably know that already. And he's been beaten by Kevin Anderson. Novak Djokovic is through. And I have the, the most special of guests because I'm joined here, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, sponsored by Amazon Prime Video, the uh, new home of the US Open in the UK. I'm joined by not only a brilliant tennis commentator, but also the sports presenter, on the Chris Evans show on BBC Radio 2. It is the one and only Mr. Vassos Alexander. What a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I'd completely forgotten that the US Open is on Amazon. Yes, that's, well, now you I know. Mean, that's a huge departure, isn't it? For, for like sports broadcasting generally. Yeah, it's a big deal. And they've also got the whole of the ATP tour next year, the O2 and the, the nine Masters 1000 events, Queens and all these as well. So they've got loads. Well, and, and they sponsor the tennis broadcast, so they know they know which which side their bread is buttered. Well done, Amazon. <laughs> yes, well done. Taste to go with all those rights. Fantastic. So, I mean, what a day we've had, Vassas. I mean, I don't know where to say. You know, you said to me earlier, it feels like we've been here, here for two days. It's just been such a weird day. We've been commentating together on Five Live Sports Extra, and we did the last few moments of the third set in the Milos Raonic-John Isner match, which... You know, we're wondering who's listening, frankly, to Five Live Sports Extra. You know, real tennis pure. I mean, it's absorbing in its own way, this match, but we haven't had very much in the way of rallies, have we? And we were wondering if there's anyone listening, and, and people are real tennis aficionados. But for the rest of the general population, and, and these tennis aficionados obviously also listen to the tennis podcast, but I just wonder, the rest of the population will wake up tomorrow, England will have either beaten Croatia or been beaten by Croatia, and that will have taken up their full attention, their full sporting attention. And, and frankly, you totally understand that there's not room for any more. In, but there's barely room for any more in my head, and I'm at Wimbledon. <laughs> so they'll wake up tomorrow morning and go, right, OK. So that's the football done for a couple of days. What's going on at Wimbledon? What? What? 
<laughs> well, last I knew, Federer had a match point against some bloke who's never won a set off him. Last I knew, he's won 34 successive sets at Wimbledon. Federer's out to... To who? To Kevin Anderson? <laughs> what happened? What? It went to five and Anderson won 13-11. What on earth's going on? I, I mean, what did happen? I'm still trying I, to get my head I around I honestly it. don't. I just, one of those sporting stories that you just, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense, does it? Everything we know, all the stats point one way. Everything we know about Kevin Anderson, who's a lovely guy. I've sat with his mum, who's lovely and really small, by the way, or maybe that's just by comparison. And his wife, who I think used to be a professional golfer, is that right? Um, at Queen's, I've sat just behind them. And they're constantly offering encouragement. His mum watching from behind her fingers and from behind behind a sofa basically even in the players box his wife with a constant stream of kind of american positivity i think she used to be a college golfer or professional golfer in the, on the lpga tour so you know you got this stay positive go through the ball all of this stuff and i you know i've always had a sort of slight soft spot for him but up against federer on court number one in the quarterfinals at wimbledon you know do me a favor especially when federer has a match point to close it out in three sets that's just what happens we haven't seen Federer looking as easy, as serene as he has probably ever here. So for that match to turn around and for Roger Federer to, to lose his forehand so dramatically and completely, all he had to do, Kevin Anderson, I mean, we were commentating on other matches, but from what I can see, all he had to do was just hit it to the Federer forehand and, and eventually... He'd win the point. Isn't that weird when you consider that the Roger Federer forehand is renowned as being one of the game's great shots and suddenly he, he was almost trying to run around it yeah. so he didn't have to hit <laughs> Running it. around a forehand again, Roger Federer, to play that backhand of his. It's just extraordinary. It's one of those sports... If if there was no World Cup on, this would be discussed and discussed and discussed in the mainstream sporting media as it is. Sadly, it'll be a slight footnote. Oh, Federer went out, did he? Oh, right. OK, so what's what's today? Oh, it's women's semifinals day. There's Serena Williams. OK, let's see what happens. But actually, it's one of those sporting stories that doesn't make sense. It just it kind of doesn't. Do you think that the the court one element had anything to do with it? I mean, 19 straight matches on centre court. I, I mean, I said on the tennis podcast last night, and I'm going to take lots of credit here, that I thought he could lose a set. I did not think he could lose the match. But I did think that the, the sort of perspective you get on court one is different. Uh, he's so used to centre court. Anderson has pushed Djokovic to five sets on that court before when Djokovic was at his very best and he led him by two sets to love. I mean, he I've just read Roger Federer's post-match transcript and he said, I just wasn't feeling the ball. I, I, was, I knew from very early on that, that the one-two combinations that I normally win points with weren't working. So I was having to get into rallies. Uh, he, he just didn't seem comfortable out there. I think the court one factor was huge. I, mean, I was talking to Greg Rosetsky a little bit earlier and he says that the two courts play completely differently. So when someone like Greg says completely differently, he probably means you know, a little difference. In, but, but to Roger Federer and to someone like Greg and to these elite players, you know, that is, a, that is a huge difference. The balls bounce higher, apparently. They're just different courts. Also, you know, how do we get to this court one commentary box? We're going through corridors underneath the, the championships, by the bins, by the kitchen. It's a bit smelly out here. And that's how Roger will have to come out here. He's not used to that. He comes serenely gliding down the steps at the All England Club. He waits for someone to basically carry his bag and and, you know, tuck, tuck, his, tuck his forelock at him. And then he walks straight out onto the centre court, just by the dressing room. He doesn't, he doesn't walk past bins. He's Roger Federer. 
<laughs> and actually, I, I did notice that when Russell Fuller was describing his entry onto court number one, he did say, he's late. <laughs> like they've already got underway on centre court. They're already in the first game and he hasn't even shown up yet. Well, there you go. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, that slightly plays to his mind. And then he's on court number one and then he's in a real battle and the court's not playing. And just all of these little half a percents. Add up to as again. We're trying to find reasons for this because it just it, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't make sense. But perhaps all of these little you know half a percent here, half a percent there, half a bit of doubt. I'm on court one, and we see it time and time again. Players lose on courts. Big players, great players lose on courts that aren't centre court. Djokovic on court number two. Djokovic here on court number one, and Federer today on court number one. That's one of the big ones. That really is one of the big ones from match point up. So yes, I'm sure the court one thing. And by the way, bless the people still out here on court number one watching Raonic against Isner in its fourth set because they're, they're what, 25% full? And they're, 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 they're hardy tennis fans, but I think they and the court are definitely a factor. Yeah, I mean, there's still hundreds out here watching. And, and incidentally, the first two sets in tie breaks, Isner coming back from a set down to lead two sets to one. We'll, we'll, we'll come back on at the end of this match and let you know how it goes. But he's been highly impressive. And meanwhile, we've got Goran Ivanisevic just suffering up there, haven't we? <laughs> Because not only is his man two sets to one down, it's like the biggest day in his nation's sporting life. They're one nil down and he can't watch it. Yeah, he'll know that they're one nil down. He spent quite a lot of the first set just looking down at his knees or what I presume is his phone on his knees. He honestly did. Not a lot happened. You joined me at the end of the first set, didn't you? Not a lot happened in that first set. Did we have any service breaks? No, we did not. Did we have any break points? No, we did not. Did we have any juice games? No, we did not. And actually, for a lot of the set, did we have anyone else here on number one court? Or were they all still out having watched four hours and 15 minutes of Roger Federer and Kevin Anderson? We didn't have any fans here either. It was basically, it was me, it was Isner, and it was Raonic, and it was Goran Ivanisevic looking miserable as you like as kickoff ticked ever closer. He was in his phone, probably having a look at the team news, his Modric playing, and then five minutes into the football, what happens? England score and his man gets beaten in the second set tiebreak and then his man gets broken. He's the oh, poor guy. Look at him. Look at him in that corner. How miserable does he look? And it's a hundred. He's not yards. even applauding his own man's winner. He looks so annoyed. <laughs> yeah, he's a hundred yards away and he's like, if, if he was a comic book character, he would have a little black cloud over his head right now. <laughs> Um, what, what, what did you think of uh, Novak Djokovic, who we saw earlier today? Oh, match of the tournament or what? That was just great. Up against Kei Nishikori. And for the first, what, two and a half sets, maybe three sets, that was just brilliant. Every point had to be earned and then earned again. It was just, you know, you had to win a point three times just before you got the 15 love. It was just fantastic. The pair of them at the absolute top of their game were very close to it in, in Novak Djokovic's case. And Novak will be sitting here watching all this thinking my goodness me a fourth Wimbledon title just possibly as the 12th seed and number 21 in the world he's outside the top 20 in the world Novak Djokovic for the first time in over a decade I wonder if he's favourite now he suddenly looks like Novak Djokovic, mm. doesn't he, again? I mean, we don't know who he's going to face yet because, I mean, Del Potro just pulling out his King Kong forehands to, to, to bully Rafael Nadal about the place. They've gone into a fifth set, so goodness knows what's going to happen. Well, you'll know by the time you listen to this, but it's, it's intriguing today. It's it really weird. Is. It's, been, it's been a really great day at Wimbledon. It's been a fantastic day at Wimbledon. And actually, it's, it's a pleasure to have been here because if I wasn't here, I wouldn't really know about it no. because I'd have been thinking about England-Croatia 
Croatia. So actually, you know, well done for listening to the Pet Tennis Podcast because, you know, we're, we're, we are reflecting on on one of the, you know, one of the real memorable days at Wimbledon. Who knows what's going to happen between Nadal and Del Potro, but it's already a classic. They're already into a fifth set. Uh, this one, well, it'll carry on being absorbing. That's what we're describing it as, aren't we? Absorbing. Don't know whether they'll even finish it tonight. They really might not. It's eight o'clock on the nose as we speak, as we record this. It's two sets to one, isn't it? It's one game all in the fourth set. It's 15 love roundage after another big serve. Two hours and 15 minutes play. I reckon they've got another, what, hour and 10 minutes max? Yeah. If it goes into a fifth, we're coming back tomorrow. We are. Right. Well, you go and watch the second half of the football. We'll come back on in a bit. So an hour later, and it all changes, because Vastas Alexander, we are here in court number one commentary box with John Isner departing the scene, victorious, having lost the first set. He's won it three sets to one, and goodness me, he was impressive. Yeah, he really was. Actually, do you know what? I did some of his last round match against Tsitsipas, the the really flashy, shot-making Greek. And when they went to rallies, which, again, wasn't often because it's John Isner we're talking about here, but when they did, he rallied well. He won as many as he lost. And do you know what? He was really... After the first set, the first set was very up and down tennis. Serve, boom, serve, boom, serve, boom. And actually, the second was as well. But once we started getting break points, it was very much on Isner's racket. And, And Isner thoroughly deserves this win. He didn't squeeze over the line. He did to Raonic what actually I, I expected Raonic to do to him. He showed, I mean, the, the, the way he won it. A, da- a backhand down the line for a clean winner on his first match point, 30-40 Raonic serving. Just absolutely fantastic. So John Isner, well played, mate. Well, yeah, and, and what a big deal now. Yeah. I mean, you've got a 33-year-old in Isner who's never been in a Grand Slam semi-final before, up against a 32-year-old in Kevin Anderson, who has been to a final before, but is the most unlikely of semi-finalists given who he beat today. What an opportunity for those two. Yeah, I know. Isner or Anderson. Isner or Anderson for a place in the Wimbledon final, given, you know, given what's happened. It's just extraordinary. It really is an extraordinary day here at Wimbledon. I mean, whoever won this would have been, you know, you would have thought this is Federer Raonic again in the semi-finals. You know, you'd have put quite a lot of money if you were a betting sort of person on that happening, especially with Federer match point up. Then Raonic won the first set here, had a set point for a two sets to love lead. But Isner, honestly, I'm more and more impressed with him. And I actually quite enjoyed that game. I, I mm. Honestly, David, I didn't think I would. No, neither did I. I mean, we, we were sort of having a few jokes, weren't we, <laughs> about, uh, about, you know, what we were going to do to fill the time while it was going. Going on. <laughs> yes. Was the word anti tennis used? It was. And in fact, we were suggesting we might actually give out our personal phone numbers on air to see if people would like to text in and tell us uh, whether they were actually listening. Turned out. People were, so we were delighted. Yeah, and it was a really and it was a really decent match and well played, John Isner. Honestly, five, six, seven years after his last Grand Slam quarterfinal when he lost to Andy Murray in Flushing Meadows in 2011. Seven years later, he's in a Grand Slam quarterfinal again, and you'd be forgiven for thinking at the age of 33, that's great. You know, you've won a Masters 1000 in Miami. You've reached another Grand Slam quarterfinal. You're having a great year. Pick up the check, go home, and enjoy yourself. But actually, no, he came out here, and he he wanted to win. Or and I'm sure they both wanted to win equally, but it looked like he wanted to win more than Milos Raonic, and he was prepared to take the step forwards when it came to it. So so here we go. Isner, absolutely. It's a toss of a coin now. Isner or Anderson? Who, who, what do you think? I, well, I haven't seen much of Kevin Anderson. I saw that, that Federer game, and that's extraordinary, and that'll give him a huge 
dollop of confidence, won't it? Of course it will. But then I've seen Isner in his last two matches, and he's been mighty impressive. I think Isner, I think John Isner, I think we're going to have a six foot ten inch American wearing a baseball cap backwards in the Wimbledon final on Sunday, and goodness knows who he'll play. No, well, uh, that's still going on because Rafael Nadal two sets all deep into a fifth with Juan Martin Del Patra. I'll come back on in a minute to tell you about that. Just a quick one as well. John Isner, just to throw the cat even more amongst the pigeons, said in his previous match that if he won today, that he might well tweet Donald Trump, who apparently is going to be in town, and see if he wants to come. Yeah, he did, didn't he? And he goes, I know I'm going to get criticised for that, but I don't care. I'd like Donald Trump to be at my, uh, at my semi-final. Were we listening to commentary of somebody winning on Centre Court? No, I think that that was just Mr Del Potro hanging on by a thread. 4-3 down in the fifth. He's a breakdown, but he's just hanging on with monstrous forehands. So we're going to have probably Nadal against Djokovic in one semi-final. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. We don't know yet. Pro- probably. Yeah, or, probably. Or, or Del Potro Djokovic, and that'll be some story anyway. And then in the other, <laughs> the other it is Nur Anderson. <laughs> it's like different. the World Cup all over again. You've got Brazil and you've got Spain and you've got um, Uruguay and France and Belgium all on one side of the draw. And then you've got basically nobody. <laughs> basically England or Croatia have come through. But there, there wasn't much to be on that second side of the draw. Colombia, I suppose, with the other with the other big team. And it's one all. Yeah, so it's all turned around. Yeah, so, 15 what? minutes to go. One all England. Do you think Goran is consoling Milos Ranić now? Or do you think no, he's, he's just... he's watching football now. He's watching football. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah. you, you let me down, Milos. I'm <laughs> going to go and watch the football now. <laughs> I've stuck here for the last three hours. <laughs> Absolutely. He is, he is backstage at Wimbledon somewhere. He's got a beer in his hand. He's watching the football and he's going, whatever the Croatian for come on Croatia is, he's doing that. Just before I let you go, uh, and I I will bring you up to date with the results uh, at the end of the day. Um, The women's semi-finals tomorrow... Who do you think is going to win all this? We've got Angelique Kerber. Uh, she is up against Yelena Ostapenko. And then you've got uh, Serena Williams against uh, Yulia Gergis. Just a terrific. Terrific couple of matches, actually. Um, if, you want, if you want a prediction... Which I do. Um, I've watched some of Serena and I've watched some of Kerber. I think Kerber's back this year. I really think Kerber's back. And I, and I think she beats Ostapenko. I, 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 you know... I. I know that Ostapenko's had a couple of good wins here at Wimbledon, but I, I don't. I don't see her getting past Angelique Kerber. I mean, she'll have to play the match of her life because Kerber is Kerber's doing a, a Djokovic plus, isn't she, at the moment this year? So, um, I think Kerber and I think Serena Williams, and bring that on as a final. That's fantastic. Yeah, that'd do, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's us. It's been lovely having you here with us on the tennis podcast. It's been a real treat. Thank you for inviting me on. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Nadal and Del Potro have finally come to an end amidst emotional scenes on center court really extraordinary match in which Nadal has come from two sets to one down and he's won it in five and I'm now joined by Russell Fuller the BBC's tennis correspondent I mean that was so uplifting to witness wasn't it it was everything we had hoped that that match would provide extraordinary from first until last four hours 48 minutes del potro saved four set points to win the second set when it looked like it might be a straight sets win for nadal but it was the quality of those rallies both of them flinging themselves around center court often losing their footing the power with which both were striking the ball particularly del potro and just the plot lines in individual games so much drama a really emotional experience and you don't want either of them to lose do you when those two are going hammer and tong but as my grandma always used to say it's a shame that there's a loser at the end i was going to say my mother says that in any sporting contest that is remotely close and as rafael nadal departs the scene to a standing ovation any concerns that the crowd might desert this match to go and watch the football which incidentally has just gone into extra time at one goal apiece uh, have been dashed because really nobody was leaving that who was there it's it's a little bit of a shame for the tournament and for the day that we've had that inevitably the tennis has been overshadowed by the football because this was one of the all-time days. I mean, disappointment obviously for Federer fans, but what a day. It has. It's the day that these championships really came alive. There were fewer on number one court watching John Isner and Milos Raonic, perhaps not quite so appealing to the fans, but I think it's a reminder that if you've got tickets for centre court at Wimbledon, there's a lot of people who love football, but there's still a significant number who don't, and that will be in terms of radio and television audiences around the world as well. And there were at least... Three quarters of the seats taken on centre court throughout that match. A lot of people had made the decision. They were here for Nadal Del Potro, which always looked like it was going to be potentially the match of the championship. 
and it's overtaken Federer Anderson, which surprised us all when Federer was two sets up. He had a match point in the third set, and then he ends up losing at 13-11. I wanted your view on that. You were doing that match uh, from what you were seeing from Federer. How big a surprise was that? What do you think it was down to in your, in your, from your vantage point? Well, the forehand, a little bit like in the previous round, was really off particularly in sets three and four. He was missing a lot. A lot of unforced errors on the forehand, which we don't normally associate with Federer. He was playing well enough, but not brilliantly. I was thinking as I was watching him, if he does play Nadal or Djokovic in the final, I'm really not sure where my money would be, but I didn't expect him to lose that match. Kevin Anderson, though, is... A new man, isn't he? Ever since reaching the US Open final, he's had a really good year on tour this year. He really, really believes, and he just kept on going for it. That big serve, but it's more than just the big serve with Anderson. That forehand is obviously the other big weapon, but he just kept on taking it to Federer, and Federer did tire slightly. Yes, the break almost came out of the blue, but when it did happen, it actually wasn't altogether surprising. This has been the predictor's nightmare, this tournament. Right from the very start, when I predicted Marin Cilic and Petra Kvitova to win the title and uh, well that went wrong in the first round or second round in Cilic's case what, what do you think now in, I mean both of these semi-finals that you have you, in the men's you've got Rafael Nadal against Novak Djokovic you've got Anderson against Isner that's not a one we expected in the women's draw you've got Angelique Kerber Ostapenko and you've got Serena Williams against Yulia Gergis what, what do you think we're going to end up with here this weekend, I think at the start of the men's draw, having seen the draw, I had Roger Federer against the winner of the Nadal-Del Potro quarterfinal. Nadal Djokovic, having watched Djokovic, I've really no idea, given that Nadal has played for nearly five hours here. This is, a re- this is what we've been waiting to see. Djokovic is playing better and better and better, but now he gets a chance to play one of his long-term rivals in a Grand Slam semi-final. Is he back at that level that he will need to be at to beat Nadal? 50-50 match, I would say, on the evidence of what I've seen. I've got a feeling about John Isner, the way he's playing this season. I think he's going to be in the Wimbledon final. As for the women's, I'm overly influenced by watching Serena Williams beat up Yulia Gurgis at the French Open. I just think she's going to have too much for her. And I think Angelique Kerber, possibly even to beat Serena Williams in the final. But then if Yelena Ostapenko has one of those days, as we know, then all bets are off. It does make it intriguing, doesn't it? Russell, go and watch the extra time in the football. Lovely to have you with us. See you soon. We will indeed see you soon. Uh, Thank you for your company here on the Tennis Podcast. We will be back, of course, every day of these championships with another edition of the show. Catherine Whitaker will be back with us tomorrow here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, sponsored, of course, by Amazon Prime Video and uh, the new home of the US Open in the UK. Rafael Nadal is just finishing up his uh, his interviews. I think he's just been asked, or he's just asked himself, what's the score in the football? Because he knows it all. it's all going on. But it's two sets to one, or rather three sets to two for Nadal over Del Potro. Just seeing a few images of Nadal celebrating victory there. And poor old one Martin Del Potro fell flat on his face in... In desolation, really, because it didn't happen for him in the end, and he fought so hard, he played so well. A lovely scene with Rafael Nadal hurdling the net to go and console his beaten opponent, and a, a lovely embrace. They walked off together, arms around each other's shoulders, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? And Rafael Nadal is through, and who knows, maybe an 18th Grand Slam singles title will be his. He's into the semi-finals. He hasn't even been into the quarterfinals since 2011, so this, so this is a 
huge deal for Rafael Nadal and we will follow his results from here with interest. So, women's semi-finals day tomorrow. It features Kerber against Ostapenko first, followed by Serena Williams against Yulia Gergas. We'll be following that every step of the way and bringing you a tennis podcast tomorrow night. Uh, we are executive produced by Melanie Bowes, by Triple S, by TennisBalls.com. We are also sponsored by La Manga Club, and we are, of course, supported by our mascot, Charlie the Ferret. We'll see you tomorrow. 